He got you. Amen. Thank you. Thank you so much. Man, glad that you're joining us here this morning in our campus at Valpo. And we want to welcome all of the other campuses that's jumping online with us. North Johnson, Hebron, Watertown campus. Hey, could you give them Westfield campus? Could you give MPH? Give all of our campuses a good welcome this morning from Valpo. They can hear you shouting out. If you got your worship guide, I want you to open up. You got your Bibles, you can turn to Hagag. It's the Old Testament book, Malachi, Zechariah, Hagag. Be careful. Probably dust is in your Bible on that book of the Bible. We don't read that a lot. But, hey, for those of you, if you're new, maybe you're visiting, you know, all this year we've been looking at a different word, taking that word and just kind of fleshing it out all this year. We talked about abundance, anchor, awaken, arise, alignment, adapt, advance, active. And now we're going to talk about the word action. We're talking about action. It is a call to action in the book of Haggai. He's telling his people basically it's time to quit talking and it's time to get up and start walking. Start doing something. Look at your neighbor and say, are you ready for action? Come on, ask him. Are you ready for action? You know, too many churches are filled with people sitting on their blessed assurance. Come on. Hello. They're sitting on their blessed assurance, and they're not moving and not doing what God has asked them to do. You know, a few years ago, any, you know, let me ask you, anybody here got motivational posters in your office, in your home? You know, these, these posters, kind of like this one right here. Here's a good motivational person. Here's one about ambition. And it says there, you barely can read it, but it said, aspire to climb as high as you can dream. Oh, wow. Motivational. Aspire to climb as high as you dream. That's a great motivational poster, isn't it? You feel motivated yet? So, so some of us, we don't need motivational posters. We're, we're, we're more accustomed to dealing with demotivation posters. Okay, demotivation like this. Here's one on mistakes. <clears throat> It could be the purpose of your life is only to serve as a warning to others. <laughs> that's, that's pretty demotivational. How about this one? Here's one on defeat. For every winner, there are dozens of losers. Odds are you're one of them. <laughs> well, let me try this. Here's one on despair. It's always darkest just before it gets pitch dark. Oh, how about adversity? That which does not kill me postpones the inevitable. <laughs> Here's one on government. If you think the problem we create are bad, just wait till you see our solutions. Oh, man, we can say amen to that one. Here's one on procrastination. Do it later. The early worm is for the birds. <laughs> Or one more on, pro, on procrastination. I like this, and I'll find the picture later for that. You know, most of us, the reason why I kind of like that a little bit, you know, most of us, we, we laugh at discouragement, but most of us in this room, we know what it feels like at some point or another, don't we? If, if we're just simply honest, you know, there, there are people today, matter of fact, in our culture right now, they seem to stay more discouraged than they are encouraged. 
There's people today in our, in our, in our culture, because, but what's happening politically, what's happening even economically, you, you, you'll find people today, and it just seems like that their week is filled with more discouragement than it is encouragement. Now, I, you know, over the years, I've had people to tell me that they admire me because I have such optimism. I have such tenacity to just kind of get through circumstances and situations. But, but can, can I tell you the truth? Truth be told, I'm not naturally optimistic. Truth be told, I'm not naturally just a person that just, you know, just gets up every day and just, just full of energy and optimism. Listen, I'll be honest with you, I get discouraged just like many of you get discouraged. I, 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 can, I can find myself going down just like many of you can find yourself going down. But, but here's what I've noticed the difference between people who can get in, in, encouraged in spite of discouragement is the difference is that you have an awareness of what's going on in your mind and what, it, what your mind or your thoughts is leading you. There is an awareness that my thoughts are negative thoughts right now. There's an awareness that, wait a minute, you know, I'm, I'm thinking impossibilities. And because I have such an awareness, I choose to acknowledge the awareness, acknowledge what I'm feeling, experiencing, but I get up and I move beyond that. Hello? I, I decide to say, wait a minute, this, these negative thoughts, they're like an elevator. They're just taking me down. I'm going in the basement. I mean, I'm, I'm getting to the place where I feel like nothing is, impo- uh, nothing is possible with God anymore. So when you have an awareness of what's happening, then it enables you to begin to turn around and say, wait a minute, I, I think things can be different. So this morning in, in the book of Haggai, chapter 2 is where we're going. Hagag recognizes that the people of his day, they, they, they're, they're getting discouraged. Now, if you remember last week, we talked a little bit about Hagag came on the scene, and, and the people of Israel have come back out of captivity. They're back home again, but the temple wasn't being rebuilt. They, they were taking care of themselves. They were, they, it was about me and, and myself and I, and they had left the house of God go unrebuilt. So Haggai shows on the scene, and he begins to let them realize, listen, it's not just about your success. It's about living a life of significance. And we talked a little bit about that. If you didn't hear that message last week or or be able to be here, go back and watch that because it's important. Every one of us at some point of our lives will struggle. Anybody here ever struggled anything financially, relationally? Come on, you ever struggled health-wise? Listen, we, we all struggle at some point. You know, you, you look at me now, and I'm, I'm a very healthy person, but when I was a kid, I struggled with fevers. I would run high fevers, and, and fevers to the point that I would, I would just pass out. I would, I would go, and, and they didn't understand what was happening. But, but as, I, as I started growing, I began to stabilize. My life got stable. I got healthier. And, and most of us here know what it's like to, to move from a struggle thing. Maybe it's relationship. Maybe you struggle financially. Come on. You know, hear every struggle, but then finally you get to the point where you feel like, well, we're kind of stable. You know, we, you know, we, we, we've got some income, and we've kind of put ourselves on a budget, so now we're, we're, we're not always running out of money before the end of the month gets here. Come on. 
I'm going to give an altar call for all you liars. You know, but you, you finally get a little stability in your life. And then you move towards success. You think, wow, I, I've got a little nest egg. I, I got a little saving. That, as, as Ramsey says, you know, I, I've got an emergency fund. Come on, how many has got an emergency fund? Yes, we, we need to do Dave Ramsey's course again. Come on, you need a little emergency fund. You need to, you need to have something in store where if, if you're out of work for a few weeks, you just don't panic what I'm going to do. And, and it's great to live a, a life that is a successful life. But ultimately, what we all understand the fact that success is just limited for a time. Success only has a certain amount of fulfillment to it. Am I preaching that? What really brings total fulfillment in our lives is to live a life of significance. How is my life making a positive impact on the world around me? How is my life going to make a difference in somebody else's life? Am I, listen, I'm not just excited that I'm going to go to heaven one day. Am I taking anybody with me to heaven? That's a life of significance. You look around and you say, other people's lives are better because I'm present in their life. And living a life of significance is important. So, so Hezekiah shows our, our um, Haggai shows on the scene, and he preaches a sermon, and 23 days after his sermon, people start to work. Now, I was, I was trying to find some, some statistics of how when, when a pastor preaches, how long it takes people to respond to that. And I'll be honest with you, I'd be okay with 23 days. If I'm preaching this morning and 23 days later you come back and you say, Pastor Phil, I got it, I'm doing it, I'm all right. Listen, I'm okay with that because, listen, statistics out there tell us sometimes that people can hear it this morning and, listen, three months down the road you still hadn't done nothing about it. Hello. Now, that's not you. That's those bad people out there, those weird churches. <laughs> But 23 days after Haggai preaches for some of the people gets up and they start working. But here's another, another thing. Only 49 days later, they find themselves, they're depressed and they're disillusioned and they're discouraged and they quit. So guess what? Haggai has to preach another sermon. <laughs> Somebody asked me, I said, why do you preach every week? Because you didn't get what I preached last week. Okay. It's rinse and repeat and do this process over and over again. You ever thought about how many sermons you've actually heard over your lifetime? And then out of that sermon that you've heard, most of us are educated way beyond our level of obedience. <laughs> it isn't that you need to know something new to do. You just need to do what you already know. Let's give an altar call and go to China Chinese buffet and eat lunch. Let's go. So watch this. 43 days later, Hezekiah... He preaches again. So look at Haggai chapter 2. I'm going to read, I'm going to read about nine verses here because I want you to get there. He said, speak to Zerubbabel, governor of Judea, Joshua, the high priest, and to the arraignment of the people. Ask them, who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? But now... Be strong, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work. Everybody say work. Look, be strong, and work. He said, for I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. This is what 
I coveted with you when you came out of Egypt, and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. This is what the this is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations, and what is the what is desired by all nations will come, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. Yes. Yes. Has it, I mean, wow, what, what a word that, that he gives to these people. He preaches his second sermon. He re, he's reminding this, this faithful people that are there. He reminded them, listen, don't get weary in your work. He tells them, hey, listen, the best is yet to come. Now listen, what's this? Do you realize how different your life could be if you really got up every day and you believed the best is yet to come? I haven't lived my best life yet. I don't have the best marriage I can have yet. My kids have not exceeded anything that I know that they're able to accomplish. The best is yet to come. So write this down. Don't ever allow discouragement to detour you from what God has called you to do. Don't ever allow discouragement to detour you from what God has called you to do. Now listen, anytime you decide to rearrange your priorities, we talked about that last week, you rearrange your life to the point that you're truly putting God first. He's first in everything. He's a top of, you don't, you don't add God to your schedule. You don't add God to your life. He is it. You build your life around him, not trying to fit him into your life. Are you with me? And listen, anytime you decide to do that, don't, don't believe that the enemy is just going to walk away and say, okay, you know, man, he's committed his life to Jesus. He surrendered everything to the Lord. I've lost him. I might as well walk away. Do you think Satan really just walks away and gives up on you because you finally surrender and say yes? No, he doesn't. I told you last week, everybody needs a date. 1971, second, uh, third week in October, 1971. Is that time that I remember saying, okay, God, you're first. I'm giving up everything out. I'm letting go of everything. I'm going to surrender my life to you. I'm going to follow the call of God in my life. Now, listen, Satan did not say, okay, man, Phil's made up his mind. I might as well check him off my list. Listen, can I tell you, for the last 50 years that I've been in ministry now, for the last 50 years, I've had to battle discouragement. Discouragement, listen, what, what happens is, listen, he wants to come in our lives, and he uses it to get us off track. And we have to deal with that. We can't deny it. We, we can't live in this bubble world that, oh, you give your life to Jesus. You know, you start going to Heartland Church, man. They got blessings and favor flowing over them. Man, you just hook up with them, and you're going to soothe and just sail right into heaven with no problem. Liar, liar, pants on fire. It don't work that way, does it? There's people got discouraged this morning just getting up to come to church, and they didn't win the battle of discouragement. They give in to it. 
Some of you that are here, listen, you had things this week that you battled with, that you're facing. Some of you are navigating that stuff. Listen, the, the people of Israel here, the, uh, Haggai understood the fact that they were coming back. They were going to rebuild the temple. They are going to restore true worship to Jerusalem. They are going to obey the commandments of God. They were decided that they were going to be witnesses to the other unbelieving nations around them. And guess what? Only about three and a half weeks through the process, they get discouraged. Why? Very simple. What's this? They started comparing what they were doing with Solomon's temple. They got into this comparison mode of what Solomon did. For some of you that don't, don't know, some of you that forgot, Solomon built the first temple. You know, it was the golden age of, of Israel's history. You know, people come from all nations to see Israel's greatness and to witness, uh, you know, just the beauty, the, 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 the majesty of Solomon's temple. And, and here the people are now in Haggai's day. In, in Haggai's generation, they're, they're, they're living in this occupied territory. They're under Persian rule. Their economy is struggling, but they do decide, yes, we're going to go. We're going to move into action. We're going to do something for God. And then no longer do they do it, and they start getting discouraged. Why? Because they start comparing themselves with other people. And what Haggai does, listen, he faces the problem head on. He doesn't deny it. Denial isn't just a river in Egypt. <laughs> Hello? Some people never move forward in their life because you never want to face the problem. You don't want to deal with the issue. It might be with your finances. It might be with your kids. It might be with your relationships. It might be you have to be willing to face the problem. And he, listen, what he does, he points to them and he asks them in verse 3. He said, who is here among you that's, that's seen the house in his former glory? How does it look now? And listen, they understood within themselves, that this restoration that they were doing, anybody ever watch those, those house restoring projects on, on, on TV and, you know, they, they got unlimited budget, they got unlimited personnel, and they go in and, and they, you know, how to turn small spaces into big spaces, and they just make this, you think, oh my Lord, how did they do that? And you get all inspired, but you don't have the budget, you don't have the training, and you go to Menards, and you, and you know, about three weeks into the project, you give up, and you throw down the hammer, and just say, what's the use? I just give up. This is what it seemed like to the people in comparison to what they were doing. And listen, in restoring the building, it seemed like nothing. But listen, what, what, what Haggai wanted them to know is still God's house. You're still following God's plan. You're still going to do ministry and, and perform ministry at the altar. You're still going to worship the Lord. Times have changed, but the task and the assignment never changes. Listen, comparing ourselves with others in the past will always make us feel inferior or superior to people back then. When you look back over your shoulder and try to see what somebody else is doing and you compare your life, your marriage, your kids, your job, your income, listen, you're always going to feel like you're worse than they are or you're going to feel like you're better than they are. 
And in this case, like in so many cases, these people felt inferior to what Solomon had done in his day. And they, they, they fell prey to the trick of the enemy of discouragement because they dwelled on the past. Listen, spiritual nostalgia, this idea that we glorify the past. Listen, so many times when we glorify the past, we either make the past better than what it was or we make it worse than what it was. You ever notice that? Oh, those was the days, Pastor Fell. I mean, people used to gather in the church, and we prayed all night long. Yeah, how many? Truth be told, every all-night prayer meeting that I've had in 50 years, I might, I might get a half a percent of the people to show up for it. Now, we had a great time. But guess what? The, the majority of the church, they weren't affected by it. They've seen the results sometimes later on of, of those prayers being, being offered to God, the sacrifice. But listen, the good old days wasn't so good. Listen, I had, I had hard-headed people when I started pastoring, you know, 45 years ago, 43 years. I had hard-headed people 43 years ago, just like there were some hard-headed people some places. Not here, but, you know, some places. No, the, the good old days wasn't so good. People had struggles then, just like we have struggles. No, forget old brother Bully. First church I pastored, we had a guy, his name was Bully. He wasn't a big guy, just a little guy. But brother Bully was the, was the community gossiper. Oh, my God. If I could have ever got him carrying the gospel the way he cared gossip, we could have won. Come on. But I had to deal with Brother Bully for four years. He would get discouraged. I would go see him. You know, he always, he always chewed tobacco. Now, but, you know, that was in the day when we believed chewing tobacco was wrong, and you didn't chew tobacco, and he would try to hide his tobacco chewing from me. And I would go visit with him, and I got to where I did this. I'm over, I, Lord, forgive me. I repent of this. But I would show up. When I knew he had a big wad in his mouth, and he, he was afraid to spit it out in front of me. So he would sit there, and you could see his eyes getting red, his face, because he's swallowing that stuff. And I'm not moving. I'm just hanging out there. I'm just letting the conversations go on. Listen, what, what, what are you saying, Pastor Phil? I, I'm just simply saying to you that what, what Haggai wanted the people to know is the good days wasn't then. The good day, listen, the best is yet to come for the people of God. God isn't finished with us yet. This isn't it. That this, listen, the church isn't going to limp out in this world. The Bible says he's going to have a glorious church. He's going to have men and women filled with the power in the presence of God. The great days are ahead of us. What hey God, listen, you've got to understand, this is the day that the Lord has made. How different would your life be every day when you got up and you said, man, this is the day that the Lord, not yesterday, not tomorrow, this is the day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice in it. When was the last time you got out of bed by yourself and you just took 15 seconds to say, thank you, Lord, nobody had to pull me out of bed there. You realize there's a lot of people that cannot get out of bed by themselves? 
They either have to be brought out by another individual or they're put in, they're put in lifts that lifts them out of the bed and puts them in a the chair. We have to stay all day long until somebody takes them out of that chair with a lift and puts them back. And you get up and you're able to walk. When's the last time you just said, I just let me take five minutes and I'm just going to skip around this kitchen and drink my coffee and say, thank you. This is the day that the Lord's mine. Well, good preaching, Pastor Phil. Listen, what Haggai wanted the people to know, write this down. Never let the past rob you of your joy in the present or your hope for the future. Don't let the past rob you of the joy of the present. Is there, is there moments in my past that I can look back? Somebody said, oh, you know, they asked me the other week when I told this story about, uh, I think I told this at full throttle, I told you about sleeping on the tent. I did that for the first two years after I left home, slept on the, they said, oh, wasn't that, wasn't that awesome? No, it wasn't awesome. Mosquitoes and bugs and hot summertime sleeping under a canvas? No, it wasn't awesome. Oh, I bet you'd do it again. Well, I, I hope I would do it again to get what I got today. But I want to tell you, that wasn't good old days for me. 16-year-old kids scared to death. I mean, we'd go into these small and little rural communities, and, and, and we went into usually to the other side of the railroad tracks because that's where the fairgrounds was. You know, 40 years ago, all the railroad, all the fairgrounds was on the board side of the town. We'd set up our tent. And I was supposed to guard the tent. Didn't have, I had a gun. I didn't have no bullets. I was scared. Listen, I spent the majority of my life scared. Now, do I thank the Lord what happened? And yes. But listen, when, when we think the past is better, no. We can't let the past rob us of the joy of the present. Just last week, somebody asked me, said, I bet you missed the golf. You know, you was all the way down on the golf. You were down there where they don't even get a frost. You're down there when they, where you can play golf all year. I bet you mess it. No, I don't miss the golf. Does he, has it got some beauty to it? Yes. Has it got some, some, some awesomeness? Yes. But listen, I don't miss it because God didn't call me there. He called me here. This is where I know I'm supposed to be. This is what I like about, listen, when we do not allow the past to rob us of the present or the hope for the future that we have. Listen, hey, guy, wanted the people to know you don't have to be paralyzed. You will be paralyzed if you allow the past to paralyze you. But he gives them solution. What does he say? Look at verse 4 and 5. What does he say? Hey, we're going to look upward. We're not going to look within ourselves. The strength and the hope and the help that we need doesn't come from us. Where does it come from? It comes from the Lord. Every time I, I find myself with a challenge, every time I find myself with the Holy Spirit wanting to move up, move me to move to a different level, another level brings another devil, okay? But when you understand that that devil you face, that discouragement you face, the issues you're going to face, that when you keep your eyes upon him, that's where your hope is. That's what he says in verse 4 and 5. Be now, be, but now be strong, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, the high priest. Be strong, all the people of the land, declares the Lord, and, and work. Be strong and work. 
Not be long, not, not be strong and just sit down and, and survive. No, be strong and work, for I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. My spirit remains among you. Do not fear. You know what really and, and helps us overcome discouragement? It's understanding that the presence of God is with us. And when we're looking backward, you really can't look upward. But when, you, when we start moving from our past, we're able to recognize that God's presence is in the present, but He's always leading us to a better future. He tells Zerubbabel, He tells Joshua, He tells all the people four different times, be strong. Why? Write this down. God promised us His presence. I am with you, he says. Now listen, every time throughout the Bible God uses that that phrase, I am with you, it always comes at a crucial time or a crucial point in people's lives. It comes at a time when they need to hear a word of assurance from God. But the phrase, I am with you, means more than just God is present. Well, Pastor Phil, I know God is everywhere. He's mindful and, you know, he's watching. Listen, no, I am with you. Every time God says that in the Bible, it's to say, listen, I am not just saying I am everywhere, but I am with you. I am your advocate. I am your ally. I am with you. My presence is with you. How does he do that with everybody in this room and everybody watching? He does it through the power of the Holy Spirit. I can have him with me on Monday at Heartland in my office having meetings. You can have him with you in Chicago or in the air or in a taxi or in your car. Why? Because the Holy Spirit can be everywhere. Are you with me? Wow, boy, if God could help us. I, I love Psalms 27 and 1. The Lord is the light. The Lord is my light. He's my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my strength of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. What is he being confident with? The Lord is my light and my salvation. He's the one that is with us. And Haggai is saying, listen, remember that he is with us. Fear not. Why? Because God says, I made a covenant with you. He's talking to his covenant people. These are his kids. And listen, because we're his kids, he's going to help us and not hurt us. I remember when Amber, our youngest daughter, was small. I'm carrying her. She's in my arms, and we're about to walk into a store. You know, I, don't, I can't remember what we was going into a store for, probably to buy me something because I go in and buy stuff. I don't shop. I buy. But as we approached this door, the door said pull, and I told Amber, I said, Pull the door. You know, I said, Richie, grab the handle. Pull the door. Now, what kind of father would I have been? The moment that she started pulling the door, I started pushing against her. Pull, Amber, pull. And I'm pushing against her. Would that be a loving, caring father? (laughs) Joke's on you. Can't get it open. I got my hand on it. 
You realize how many Christians think that when we walk up the doors that God has led us to and we go to pull it open, we actually think religion has made us think that somehow or another God's got his hand upon it and he's holding it shut. No. You know what kind of father he is? Like I did when I said, Amber, pull the door open. You know, she's just, you know, three years old, three, four, whatever, you know, small. But I wanted her to have a sense of accomplishment. So as she wretched the pull, guess what I did? I snuck my hand underneath hers, and I kind of pulled the door with her. You see, God's pulling with us, not pushing against us. That's the word somebody needs to hear right now in the name of Jesus. Listen. Many of us face tasks that seem impossible. There's people in this room, there's people watching online, there's people that we're rubbing shoulders with every day, and they're facing discouragement. There's things in their life, there's health issues, there's financial issues, there's relationship issues, there's kids issues. I mean, issue after issue after issue. There are so many people, and listen, it's one thing that people need to hear today. I need to hear, you need to hear, listen, that we're supposed to be strong. Don't worry. Why? God says, listen, I am with you. I'm giving you my presence today. But there is an incredible, awesome future that you have in store. Again, what, how, how different would your life be if you got up every day and you thought and you believed and you confessed and you spoke, God has my future in his hands and my future is bright. It is awesome. People say, oh, you know, I just positive thinking. Well, listen, I'm telling you, positive thinking is going to get you a whole lot better place than negative thinking is going to get you. But it's going back to say, wait a minute, I'm, I'm God's covenant child. The future God has for us. Write this down, listen. Hey, God wanted them to rely on God's promise. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will, I will sh- once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea, the dry land. I will shake all nations. And what is the desired by all nations will come. I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine. The gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of the present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. Wait a minute. Solomon had this glorious, great, awesome, glandrous temple that he built. God said, don't worry, because I'm involved with this thing, because I'm leading this whole process, the glory of the latter house is going to be greater than that of the former. The people were building a temple that they could see wasn't in comparison to Solomon's temple in their natural eye, but, it, but, it, but as they look back from their perspective and looking at the present, it looked bleak, but God speaks to them, He directs their attention to the future. And the future, the glory of God's house is going to be greater. (laughs) Solomon's house is going to look like a dingy shack when I get through with this thing. You understand that? Why? Because God's hand is involved with this. He said, I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth and all nations. I know there's some near prophecy to that. There's some far interpretation of that. There's some near interpretation. The near interpretation of that, 
Most theologians say that Haggai was talking about the fall of Persia and the rise of Alexander the Great, and that's probably happened. But he also translates it into the fact that the desires of all nations will come. And many theologians believe he's giving reference to the coming of Christ, the Messiah, the one that would fulfill all of God's promises. And while the raiment felt like there was no beauty to what they were doing to the temple, God promises that one day the treasures of the nations will be brought to him and will be used for his glory. In spite of their bad economy, in spite of their lack of wealth, God was going to provide everything they needed. Why? Because it all belongs to him anyhow. It's his. What a message for us today. Whatever we're going through, whatever situation, whatever struggle, listen, God is able to harness all the resources that you and I need in our lives to fulfill His divine purpose in our lives. Oh, man, I tell you what, I'm just so troubled and I stay worried all night. I'm fearful. God is able to harness all the peace that you know and that you need, and He's able to bring it in your life if you'll just look up and trust Him. You understand that? God used even the heathen kings of Lebanon to supply timber for Solomon's temple. Don't you think he's still in control of those same kings' hearts? And listen, what's the secret? It's just putting our trust in the Lord. It's making sure that that we acknowledge him And we understand every day that he has all the resources. The wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just, Proverbs 13, 22 says. Listen, God, the God that we serve, is a powerful God. And I know we get so wrapped up politically. We get so wrapped up in in this world when we see what's happening economically and we we see prices and we see inflation. We see all of that. But listen, every time you get to looking around, you take your eyes off of him, the source of everything. God, listen, God wanted the people to know. Listen, look at 1 Chronicles 29 and 12. Both riches and honor come from you, and you reign over all. In your hand is power and might. In your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. You understand that it's all in God's hand? Look at your neighbor and say, God's got it all. Come on, tell them. Say, God's got it all. Here's what I believe. Listen, I talk to pastors all the time. There's two things pastors are constantly giving excuses of why their church is not growing or why they're not impacting their community. Two things. Comes up in every conversation. Two things. Resources. I don't have enough people, and I don't have enough money. Hello. Well, I'll just tell you what. If I just had more resources. You know, if I just had more people that would step up, I just had more people that would volunteer, if I just had more, if I just had more money, I tell you what, if I had more money, I'm going to tell you, I would do so much. Well, what are you doing with what you already have? Hello? Well, God's not going to give you more if you're not using what you have. Well, I'm just holding on to this. I've got some good people, and I don't want to ask too much of them, so I'm just, I'm just kind of letting them rest right now, and then we're going to get a bunch of new people in, and, and we'll get started again. No, you won't. No, you won't. 
Because you know what I discovered? Every time, that's the reason why when you come to this church, we're constantly just trying to nudge you. I, I don't want you to get comfortable sitting on your blessed assurance. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of I'm not going to work, I'm going to leave behind. No. Listen, why, why do we nudge? Why do we say, listen, because you have talents and gifts and abilities that God has stored up as resources for this culture we're living in right now. We've got everything we need in the house if we just get people responding to that. we got all the resources. Why? Because, listen, God provides, he, he gives provision for the vision. I am confident when we are determined to do God's will, He will provide for us. When you step out and you say, God, I don't, I don't understand how to lead kids, or I, I, I'm not sure I can be a good teacher or be a good aide for you, but when you step out with a heart to say, God, I just want to serve, I, I don't understand what youth needs today. When you step out, the moment you step out and you start using what you already have, God blesses you with more. In 1971, I could play the piano a little bit. I could pick a banjo much easier. But listen, having tent revival music with a guy leading with a five-string banjo, banjo doesn't work. <laughs> Hello? I saw all the light. <laughs> no, it just doesn't work. <laughs> so you know what I did? I sit down. At the organ, because we didn't have a piano with a tent. We traveled with a big Hammond organ. And I sit down every day. You can ask my wife later after she come on board and we got married. I'd sit down every day. I said, God, I'm going to give you what I have today. Now, you got to multiply it and give me some more by this night. Tonight's service at 7 o'clock. And you know what? It never failed. Every time I gave God what I had, he started giving me more. He started giving me more. And listen, every time you and I step in, listen, he provides for our needs with resources to carry out his, his plan in our life. God reminds the people of Israel, he said, listen, the silver is mine, the gold is mine. I love Psalms 24 and 1. The, Lord, the earth is the Lord's and all of his fullness, the world and those who dwell in it. Listen, some of you this morning, you know what it is to start and to stop. To start and to stop. I understand that. And you're the church. I'm not condemning you for starting or stopping. What I am telling you, that now is the time to get up and move into action. Say, God, by your grace and by your resource, I'm going to start and I'm not going to stop. I'm going to move forward. I refuse to allow discouragement to overwhelm me. Watch this little clip with me, then I'm coming back. And laugh at you. Life will hit you when you're trying to live for Jesus. Life is no respecter of persons. that's when you say, you know what? I'm getting up. I'm not going to quit. I'm not. I may get knocked down 
nine times, but I'm going to get up ten times. And I'm not going to quit. In the words of the great theologian Rocky Balboa, here's what it is, and I quote, It's not how hard you can hit that makes you a winner, but it's how hard you can get hit and get up and keep going. That Jesus is there in this difficult moment in your marriage, in this trying moment in your finances, in this struggle on your job, in this uh, difficulty, in this relationship, you're rubbing corners with your boss or your spouse or this struggle you're having on your university campus or in your high school campus, this hard time that you are having, he is there. I'm talking about where you can look back over your circumstances and realize that his fingerprints were all throughout that thing. I'm talking about where you can see footprints in the sand as you actually recognize that God was walking beside you the whole way. I'm talking about what other people call coincidence encounters. You see the sovereign hand of God that was aligning your footsteps and setting you in the right place at the exact right time. The manifest presence of God. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Hallelujah. Come on, Sam. Would you do that? Hallelujah. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap. Come on, give him praise. Come on, how many believe it? He, he never gives up on us, does he? Come on. We got his presence. We have his power present with us. I know people are getting discouraged today, and there's people are quitting. There are people walking away every day, every day, every month. There's ministers that fold their Bible up for the last time, and they're walking. They're getting, they're getting jobs, and they're, they're quitting. I, we're, we're praying for their salvation, but they're letting their call of God go. They're saying, I'm done. It's just too hard. It's too difficult. There's people quitting on marriages every day. There's people quitting on kids. We get calls all the time from parents and say, I don't know what to do. I just, I'm just about ready to give up. That's what the enemy wants you to do is to give up. He wants you to throw in the towel. He wants you to say, what's the use? i tell you what the use is. God says, I've still got a plan and a purpose for you. I've still got a future for you. Satan wants to try to derail some of you today, even now, at this moment, of what the call of God is on your life. He's trying to sidetrack you and get your attention off on other things. No, listen, we come back to say, wait a minute, God. I've rearranged my priorities. I'm putting you first. Deuteronomy 8 and 18 says, You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He that gives you power to get wealth, that He may establish His covenant, which He swore to His fathers, as it is this day. It is God that gives us the power to get wealth. Now, I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about living a life of significance. I'm talking about living a life that makes a difference. It breaks my heart when I do funerals and there are just a few people that shows up. I mean, we need to live our lives in such a way that if something happens that God exits us out and we get promoted to glory and we're there in His presence, that this world says, wow, who is going to step up? Who's going to take? Man, that, that, that man, that woman, they were such a powerful influence and impact in our community, in our cities. God says, that's what I've called you to do. Yeah, but Pastor Phil, I need this. And I need this. it doesn't matter. God is able to supply all of our needs. You believe that? Don't allow discouragement to detour you from what God's called you. Don't, don't allow the enemy to step into your life and say, it's not worth it, it's not used it. What, what, why go on? No, listen, don't allow discouragement. 
God is a God of his promises. You can trust. I am with you. I want you to bow your heads. Listen, I know some of you today, you know people. Maybe it's not you, but you know people. There's people in your sphere of influence that the enemy's trying their, his best to take them out of the game. The enemy's trying his best to just get them to go to the sidelines and put the towel over their head and give up. God is saying, listen, I, I want you to rely upon my presence and the promise that I've given you. I never will leave or forsake you. And today, if you're in this house, you're in this room, and you say, Pastor Phil, I'm fighting discouragement. Maybe it's a health issue. Well, I, I Listen, as we get older, our bodies do crazy things. We live in this broken world. And I know we got people in this church that you're battling health issues, and your body doesn't won't let your, you do what's in your heart to do, and I understand that. But listen, in the midst of that discouragement, when you're fighting through, the, 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 the key to that is you keep fighting through, you keep pressing on. Don't give in. Don't give up to that. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's your finances. We've been praying for this $14, $15 million dream with our Sunshine Center. And I know, listen, God's got resources out there. We're going to trust that. Just this week, we got another $105,000 in on that. God's moving. God's touching. He's working. And listen, it's happening maybe in your life. Maybe it's your business. Maybe you've got a business in your heart that God's been put planning inside of you and fear is making you afraid to step out and do that. Listen, if it's a God thing, if it's His will, trust Him to lead you in that process. Believe God for that. If you're here this morning, you say, Pastor Phil, I'm going to be honest with you. I just need some encouragement. You showed up at the right place at the right moment at the right time. Because, oh, my God, our help belongs to Listen, my help comes from the Lord. Come on, does it come from Him? So here's what I want us to do. We're going to spend the last three minutes, our pastors at North Justin, Wanata, and Hebron, and Westfield. We're going to get ready. Listen, what I want you to do as we sing this chorus, if you're here today, I don't care what it is you need encouragement. Maybe, maybe you find yourself at some point, you're just low, you're just down. You just feel like, what God, what, 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 what am I supposed to do? What's my next step? I want you to make your way. Just stand down to the front. We're going to pray together. We're going to release the blessings and the favor and the covenant God. God is going to covenant with his people and he's going to bless us. He's going to keep us. Come on, I'm going to believe that. Come on, sing as we, we worship together with that. We worship with that. Come on, come on. Yeah, come on, come on. That's it. I don't care what it is. I don't care what it is. Come on. I don't care what it is. God, you're our help. God, you're what we're going to look. You're what we're going to trust. You're going to put our faith. We're going to put our faith in you, Father. We're going to put our faith in you, God. Come on. This is awesome. This is awesome. This is awesome. Thank the Lord. 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 Come on. Come on. We need each other. We need each other. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit in this house. Come on, those of you in the building, come on, raise your hand. Come on, just begin to trust Him. Just begin to call out, God, your presence. God, your presence, your power in our life today, God. I release it today. I release it today over our people. God, your provision. God, you're going to give all the resources, every resource, emotional, physical, relational, financial, every resource. We release it. We release it. We release it today in the name of Jesus. We release.
release it today in the name of Jesus across our house today. God, we thank you for that. We thank you for that. Come on right now. Come on. Lift your hands up and sing this. I lift my eyes up. Come on. Look up. That's where I have come from. That's where I have come from. My help doesn't come from the hills. My help doesn't come from the mountains. My help comes from the Lord. God, it comes from you. God, you're my resource. You're the provider of all of our needs today. You're the provider. Give us ideas. Give us steps to take. Align up relationships, God. Put us in the right alignment. Put us in the right alignment with our relationships. God, do we see the heavens open up? We see blessings flow. We see blessings flow. I release it today. I release it today. I release it today. God, I release your resources. I release your resources. I release your resources. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. your nearness today. God, people are going to feel your nearness this week. They're going to sense that closeness. God, you haven't abandoned them. You haven't left them. Your presence is there. God, I thank you for that. God, I thank you for that, Father. Holy Spirit, we thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, for the comfort. Thank you, God, that you're our ally. Thank you, God, that you're pulling with us this week. Come on. He's pulling with you this week. That door is going to open. He's pulling with you. He's pulling with you. That health issue, that, that, that relational issue, he's pulling with you today in the name of Jesus. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. One more time real soft. Oh, my God. Come on, sing it. If you walk back to your seats, just sing it. Oh, my Lord. Oh, my Thank Jesus. Thank you, Father. Yes. Yes, God. Always, always, always. I will, I will not fear. His promise is true. My God. Yes, He will. Always. God, this week I just pray for open doors. I pray for favor. I pray for blessing. God, I just thank you that goodness and mercy is going to follow our people. God, the angel of the Lord himself is going to cap around about us, protecting us from danger and harm. God, I thank you for open doors. I thank you for relationships that you are, you are be beginning to build. God, you're going to bring the right people in our lives. You're going to take the wrong people out of our lives. This week, Father God, we're going to live with expectancy. Our future is bright. We're going to live with that, Father, knowing that you are our resource in everything. And in Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a good hand clap. Hey, we love you. You have an awesome week. Be blessed. We'll see you next Sunday. God bless you.